You are listening to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. Our vision is to treasure Christ above all else and live for more. Today is a standalone message, um, and God just laid on my heart this message for a little while now. I've kind of shared with you just pieces here and there throughout the year, but now I get a chance to kind of this is the message that I would preach probably a few times a year <laughs> for myself and just being reminded of God's truth. So here we go. So we're going to be in Romans, Romans chapter 6. Um, I'd love to read the whole chapter, but we're only going to read, I'm only going to read verses 5 to 14. So Romans chapter 6, 5 to 14. And this is what the Word of God says. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Did you hear that? Verse 7. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Beautiful. Verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Amen. Let me just pray over, over our hearts. Father, we thank you again for today. I thank you, Lord God, that we get a chance and this amazing privilege to, to worship with the saints, to be in your presence, Father. I thank you for every single person that walked into this room. Father, I ask and then I pray over our hearts that, Lord Jesus, you would bear much fruit as we, as we receive your word, Father. I pray that you would just open our eyes to what you want to say to us today, Father. I pray that you do something amazing in everyone's heart here this morning. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. You may be seated. If that passage kind of like, whoa, what is this? I don't even know what's, what's we're going to get into it. Just, just hang in there. And I'm just going to take a sip of water. So just a few days ago, December 25th, was the day we celebrated truth. And it was awesome, right? I think most people love, you know, um, celebrating the birth of our, our, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And, but two days ago, Friday evening... December 31st, approximately midnight, is the day we celebrated lies. Whoa. That we all told ourselves. What do you mean, Ovi? How dare you say that? <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure that most of us have made some New Year's resolutions. At least, I mean, if you haven't, you know, if you haven't put it down on, a, you know, on your phone or, or, you know, a piece of paper, you've Probably you've done it in your mind, or at least just some mental notes, you know. You've looked back, we've all looked back at 2021, and I'm sure there were some things that we didn't like about ourselves, right? There's quite a few things about me. <laughs> and two days ago, we said, not in 2022. I'm not going to do that again, right? 
I'm going to change that. I'm going to change this, this area in my life. I'm going to change because I just, this is not, not, not fun. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to change this, and I'm going to change that. And the reality is, we call them resolutions, right? But they aren't really, not the way I think most of the world does it. It's not a resolution, so it's not a a decree, because that's what a resolution means. A a determination, a resolve, a commitment. It's more like an emotional suggestion. Ah, I kind of feel this way about 2021, and I'm going to, I don't like that, so I'm just going to do this. That's an emotional suggestion, usually, right? So just give yourself a few days, and you'll see. Now, I don't want to sound that, you know, I don't want to disappoint anyone here today, but you know what the darkest day of the year is? January 3rd, <laughs> tomorrow. That's the day we're like, ah, never mind, I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing now. I wasn't going to do all that in 2020. Forget it, right? That's, that's what usually, it just doesn't take too long in the new year to realize, like, I, I can't do all of that. <laughs> Whatever I decided to do, forget it, right? And this has become a problem because it happens year after year. Not sure about you, but to me anyways. And we give up on delivering on our promises, on our resolutions, just a little bit into the year. And I guess it's not the end of the world, right, when our resolutions are smaller things like, you know, I want to lose 10 pounds. It's not the end of the world if I don't lose 10 pounds in 2022, right? Or I'd like to exercise more, right? And I, I don't want to undermine those either because it speaks of a bigger problem that we may have inside, right, not keeping our word, sure, But this is definitely a problem if our resolutions revolve around bigger things in life. Like, I want to love more. I want to to be more selfless in 2022. Because I've I've looked back at uh, 2021 was not selfless. I want to pray more maybe. Or maybe for you is I want to get involved more at Summit Church and devote more of my time, right? And I want to be a better husband maybe. I want to be a better friend, a better father. Or maybe there's a struggle of an addiction in your life with a certain thing, right? And you want to get rid of it. Like this is enough. This has been going for 10 years now. Come on. Or you just struggle with lying, or you could just, you could be, you know, gripped by fear in 2020 and 2021 was, I mean, we had some chances to be gripped by fear or anxiety, or it's just plain apathy. Don't really care much about the church. Don't really care much about the Bible or Jesus or prayer. And the list goes on and on and on the list of things you want to change about yourself. And the reality could be that after trying so much for so long, year after year, you've maybe given up. Forget it. This doesn't work. (laughs) Resolutions, what is that? And now you find yourself just going through the motions. And you've been jaded by life, and it kind of took all the life out of you. And here we are. But let's just set the stage a little bit when speaking of our New Year's Resolutions. Did you know that making resolutions, not emotional suggestions, is actually biblical? Maybe not the way the world does it. Everybody, when, when, when you go home today, I want to give you a, a little bit of homework. You should just get your Bibles and study these two verses that I'm going to read out loud. They're going to be on the, on the screens as well. Then we will all have a theology of resolutions. Okay, so the two verses are in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. This is what the Word of God says. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of His calling. And and watch this. 
and may fulfill every resolve. There's the word, resolve. And may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you, and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's loaded. Everything is in there in those two verses. So you should resolve. We should all resolve, meaning we should decide, we should undertake, we should agree for good things in our life. It's a good thing. And not just at New Year's, right, but all the time. And this is the point. I'm not only going to talk about New Year's resolution, and I'm sure you already realized that. No, no. I'm talking about all the time. And this is pursued by faith so that it is a work of faith. So God acts through that faith by his power, right? God fulfills the good resolve. Therefore, Jesus gets the glory. Don't worry, I'm going to unpack this. That's a theology of resolutions in two verses. Now, my answer is not just, again, for New Year's, but all the time. So whenever we see that we're falling short, we resolve not to fall short. Whenever we see that, you know, something that needs to be done in our lives, we resolve to do it. Whenever I see that in my character, I fall short, we, I resolve it. We need to resolve to agree, to decide to change. Not that we do the changing, but there has to be a drive, a desire, a determination to be changed. But the sad reality is that everything is changing, but sadly, Christians aren't changing much. And when I say Christians here, I mean everyone that calls himself a Christian, right? I'm not necessarily talking about the authentic Christians because I think they usually change. We can go into statistics, but they are so discouraging. Every statistic indicates that Christians are pretty much the same as their unbelieving neighbors. My, my goal is to not disappoint anyone here today. There's some amazing good news in this message, just to give you a, a heads up. So, so, yeah, pretty much Christians are the same as their unbelieving neighbors. I mean, they live for the same reasons. They have the same level of joy and happiness. They struggle with the same things. They are not that much different. I mean, we may be good at making good year resolutions, but not really good at keeping them, at seeing them through. Do you know what the most annoying thing for an atheist or a non-believer must be? A loud professing Christian that doesn't live what he preaches. Mm. Do you know why? Because apparently we say that the Almighty God, the creator of the universe, is our Father. That's, that's what we believe. And the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives inside of us. Oh, really? Is that what you believe? <laughs> to change us to make us different, to make us more like Christ. So what's the annoying part, Ovi? Well, we say all these things, but it doesn't look like that's the case. I would apologize if I were sorry for what I'm about to say, but I'm not, because <laughs> this goes for me first. But some Christians, none of us here, are just flat-out annoying because we do so many other things instead of changing. Or another way of saying it is we do so many other things instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to change us. Probably a more biblical way of saying it. 
So what is it that we do instead of changing? What is it? Does anyone know? Well, let me just help us out. I'll just give you, I'll just uh, throw just three different categories of things that we do instead of changing. Number one is rituals. This is what we do. Just, we have a bunch of rituals, and I'm not even talking about the Catholic or the Orthodox. I'm talking about us, because we have our rituals too, you know? We bring our Bibles to church, and we sing our songs, and we lift our hands up, and we have our little routines that we do. We even listen to devotionals every morning, or we read, or we pray, or we have our spiritual routines on a, on a weekly basis, but it doesn't come into my heart to change me. It affects me while I'm here with the saints. But when I leave this place and I go home, I'm a lot like my sister who doesn't come here, who cares nothing for Christianity. I'm a lot like my neighbor who thinks I'm crazy for coming here Sunday after Sunday. Not that much different, really. Number two, number two category of things that we do instead of changing is sentimentality. Maybe you find yourself here. I mean, we had a great thing with God back in the day. 20, remember 20 years ago, the songs and the passion that we used to have for God and, or high school and college. It was so awesome. Remember the prayer meetings that we used to lead and remember the Bible studies we used to have. The worship sessions were so powerful. I'm concerned that it's stirring up in, in us a remembrance of a time when I had a good thing with God, but maybe I don't have that anymore now. Sentimentality. Watch out for sentimentality. Watch out for your intimacy with God not being current. It's not actually changing the way you talk to your wife and your husband. It's not. And number three, carnality. This actually should be on the first place because this is, this is the main one. Uh, carnality. Just flat out carnality. That's what we do instead of changing. Instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to change us. Just living in the flesh. I just want what I want. Just do it whenever I want to. Yeah, you know, I'm the king of my castle, and I just, you know, say how it is. But I go to church to, to make me feel a little bit better about how awful I really am. Here's the point, friends. We ought to live like who we are, and we are Christians. We are Christ followers. We ought to live like who we are. We are. I'm not saying perfect. That's not what I'm saying. What we need to understand is that we come to Christ broken and sinful, but we come as we are. That's what the Bible says, right? But when we authentically encounter Christ, our lives are changed. They are changed. And as we start walking with Him, doing life with Him, having a relationship with Him, our lives are going to continue to change. So they're changed and still changing. Listen, we all have a past, or oh, trust me, we all have a past. We all have things that we're not proud of in the past, and that's because Jesus was not our Lord. <laughs> that's, you know, but what's our reason now? And this is a message that I hope, you know, that encourages you, right? Uh, it will encourage us to live more like who we are, like we're Christians. I mean, we've, we've gotten really good at opening up and confessing, you know, our struggles. And I'm, 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 that's awesome, right? And being, being non-judgmental and being loving, being welcoming, right? When someone opens up, hey, this is my life. I struggle with this and this. And we're all doing a good job at not acting religious, right? Like we've got everything figured out in our life. You know, that's awesome. That's great. But what happened with sharing our victories in Christ also? What happened to that part of the gospel? 
What happened to celebrating, bro? I, I, for, for, for 10 years, I've been struggling with immorality and porn, and, and I've been addicted to it, and God has helped me through the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome this addiction. And I've been clean for two years now. Praise God. What happened to that? And then we say weird stuff like, hey, we shouldn't say that. We shouldn't share our victories because we might offend some people, right, and make them feel uncomfortable because they still struggle with that sin. So just, just keep it on the down low. And plus, it gives the impression that we're better than them. That's just not loving. We say stuff like that. Listen, church. How will they ever know? How, how is the world ever going to know that there's actually a solution if we keep quiet about our victories? <laughs> and the fact that Jesus sets people free and changes them and sanctifies them. How will they ever know that Christianity is actually not a religion just like the others? And if we're not living like we're supposed to live, changed by the gospel and still changing, our lives should say, a huge banner over our lives, broken when we were found by Jesus, but being put together every day of our lives in his beautiful image. How about that? Again, I'm preaching this to myself first. Church, did you know that one of the purposes God created us for, one of the purposes God created us for is to be changed and to look more like Christ? One of them. May not be the biggest one, but it's one of them. And did you know that forgiveness is just the beginning of life in Christ? Yes. Sometimes we're so good at articulating the gospel. Sometimes we're not, not even that. But we're good at articulating the gospel, but then we just, we don't flesh it out. So forgiveness is just the beginning of life in Christ. Can we have a total paradigm shift about that? And then we need to start on this journey of changing, the journey of becoming more and more like Christ, the journey of sanctification, the journey of being set apart for Christ. I want us to look at three powerful principles from our text. When it comes to changing, that we as Christians, we need to know and we need to implement in our lives. You guys okay with that? And the first one is, they're all very simple, but I think very, very, very hard to implement. The first one is believe it. Just believe it. Now, believe what? Well, a lot of things, but let's just start with this. Here's the first thing. The power of sin is broken in your life. Believe it. Do you believe that? Because if we believe that, it should really come out in our actions. In verses uh, verse 9 and 10, Paul is using sin and death synonymously. And, and check this out. I'm going to read them again. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. There was, there was no death before sin. Did you know that? Sin and death, death, death and sin, they go together. And when Jesus stepped out of that tomb, the power of sin was broken. That's the reality. Some of you may say, maybe I will say, right, I, I don't feel like it's broken. I mean, I still, I still struggle with bitterness. I'm still gripped by fear. I'm still gripped by anxiety. I just I feel like I just can't move. Anger, immorality, whatever your sin is. Well, let me give you an illustration of, of I think, um, that... I think does a pretty good job at illustrating what, I'm, what we're saying right now. Picture a big tree outside of the church, a big, big tree in front of the church or on the side of the church. Now, I want you to picture 
that you are that tree. You are that tree. And about 30 years ago, planted at the, at the base of the tree, there was a vine. A vine was planted so that the vine had a, quite a few years to kind of go wrap around the trunk of the tree and all around the branches that if you were to go underneath and look up, every branch was covered by this vine. So the tree is you. The vine is sin. Sin, right? So, the, so, so when you came to Christ, it's like God the Father took an axe and just boom, at the base of the vine. Now the vine is dead. The vine is dead. When you came to Christ, the vine is dead. The power of sin is dead. The sin that covered every part of your life and my life, it's dead. But it's still in the tree. It's dead. It doesn't have power, but it's still in the tree. It's not alive anymore. It's not powerful anymore. It can't control you like it did before. But you spend the rest of your life ripping all the vines out of the tree. Or at least that's what we're supposed to do. So God didn't just want to forgive us, but he wants to tear all those vines off of us. Same with the power of sin. It cannot demand of you. It cannot dominate you anymore. It, it, it only has the control you give it. Listen to verse 16, right? Just listen to this. Don't you know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. The vine only has the control you give it. It doesn't have the power, and it doesn't have control over you. The power of sin is broken. That's just the truth and the reality. Do you believe it, though? Do you believe it? And see, that's the thing. You have to believe it. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ is in you, exercising power over what once had power over you, you can't get very far. If you don't believe it, I have to ask you this morning, do you believe that the power of sin is broken in your life? Do I believe that? Because if you don't, this is just a ritual. You know the things that we do instead of changing? It's just a ritual. Just come to church. You have to exercise your faith in this reality. I'm illustrating the best I can. You are a Christian. Live like it. You have the power to. You don't have to be enslaved by sin anymore. You are a Christian. If you do, it's because you choose it. Embrace your identity in Christ and live like it. So believe it. And the next principle that we see in our text is choose it. So you believe it. I believe that the power of sin is broken. Now you have to choose it. Choose it. The power of sin is broken in your life. Believe it. And then this, living for God is day by day. You have to choose it. And that's the end of verse 10. Let me just read it again. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. The Christian life is a moment by moment choosing. So God the Son lives towards God the Father for his pleasure. We just read that. For the Father's joy, for the Father's glory, he lives to God. And that's exactly what we're supposed to do as well. Listen to verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. That's a command to us. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies. Don't let it rule you. It doesn't have to. Don't let it. To make you obey its passions. And a different translation says, to make you obey its lusts. 
The power of sin is unplugged. Don't plug it back in. Yes, it's present, but it's not in charge. Don't let it rule you. We have to learn to trash talk temptation sometimes. I hear you. Like, just get off of me, man. You know, just back up. That's not who I am anymore. Forget it, you know. Learn to preach to yourself like that. You have to choose that. Listen, it's a choosing. So believe it, and then it's a choosing day by day. One of the things that the Lord helped me change immensely in my life, and I was actually something that I struggled with big time with my teenage years, and I, I'm, I've shared it with, uh, with you guys a couple of times. It was outbursts of frustration, anger. But the Lord has grown me immensely, like I said. Well, let me just illustrate this choosing part, and maybe it will make a little bit more sense. Listen to the story about the hole in the road. It's a story on how to choose. Day one, I went for a walk and I fell into a hole. I didn't see it. It took me a long time to get out. It's not my fault. Day two, I went for a walk down the same road. I fell into the same hole. It took me a long time to get out. Why do I do that? Day three, I went for a walk down the same road. I fell in the same hole. I got out quickly. It's my fault. Day four, I went for a walk down the same road. I saw the hole and walked around it. Day five, I went for a walk down a different road. I'm not capable under certain circumstances of walking down that road successfully. Are you? With whatever sin you struggle with? Given the pressures of life, and there's so many, given the other frustrations from the other issues of life, and, and this, the most important one, not really starting the day right, not being in the Word, not being in prayer, right? Not just kind of, kind of out there. I cannot navigate that road successfully. I will fall into the hole every single time. And a big part of choosing to change is being able to admit to yourself that there's a hole in that road. Take a different road. <laughs> Living for God is a day-by-day, -day, choose it. Let me just say this and then we'll move on to the last point. The pain that is caused from falling into the hole is much more intense. It will devastate more than the pain caused by the discipline in avoiding the hole. Let me say it a different time, a different way. The consequence of your sin will bring more pain than the pain you experience from overcoming the temptation. Does that make sense? So living for God is a day-by-day. -day. Choose it, friend. Choose it. Believe it, and then choose it. Now, the third point, victory over sin is moment-by-moment moment reckon it. Interesting word. This is the more, most important part of the message for me, anyways. And you say, how do I actually, you know... Make the choice, though. How do I, how do I, sometimes I can't even avoid the hole, right? Sometimes I have to go down that street because I have to, right? Victory over sin is moment by moment. Reckon it. Reckon it. This word reckon is based on verse 11, and I love it. This is what it says. So you also must consider yourself. There we go, consider. That's the word reckon. Different translation has it actually reckoned. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Some, yeah, again, some translations have it, reckon yourselves. And this is no reckon like, you know, people use it in the South, I reckon, right? It's not like reckon, I, I think so. No, it's not like that. 
It's like make a decision based on this being rock-solid reality. That's what it means, right? And the word consider, actually the word in Greek is legitsma, and it actually means to press your mind upon. It's a big word. Get your hand around this reality. Focus on this reality. Reckon yourself. Calculate yourself. Reckon, consider yourself. Now, how do I actually make that real in my life? How do I make that personal? Like, great principle, Obi. Thanks. But how do we apply it practically in our lives? Well, thank you for asking. If you read Galatians chapter 5, Verses 16 to 25, it's a very well-known passage. We should be pretty surprised at how many times we see statements like, live by the Spirit, bear the fruit of the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, right? Five times we're reminded to walk by the Spirit and bear the fruit of the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. Why am I saying that? Because this is crucial in our believing, in our choosing, and in our reckoning. We're not alone. We're not alone. We don't do this kind of like, ah, just out there, just white knuckle it, just believe it, just, no, no, no. We have the greatest helper in the universe, the Holy Spirit. And he says here in this passage, five times, be led by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. And I think there's something in here when it comes to calculating ourselves, considering ourselves, reckoning ourselves. And every time I read that passage, I say, oh, Lord, I want, I want that so much in my life. I want to be led by the Spirit because that's what I lack. That's why I'm not changing because I, I, I try to do it on my own. Well, obviously, it lasts three days into the year, and then I'm done. No, the change that the Holy Spirit brings in our lives is forever. It's for good. It will stick. It will last. It's the God-glorifying change, not, the, not my kind of resolutions. And I want, I want to know experientially when I read that text what it means to walk by the Spirit, what it means to be led by the Spirit, what it means to bear the fruit of the Spirit and live by the, and keep in step with the Spirit. I really want that. I really do. Because that's what it means to be changed. That's what it means to be transformed in the likeness of Christ. This is the ingredient, if I can say that, the Holy Spirit. And I think the key is back in Galatians 3. So that was Galatians 5, Galatians 3, because in Galatians 3, we have an instruction about how the Spirit came to us in the first time, the first time, and then how He keeps on being supplied to us. There's something there. Let me just read it to us. Galatians 3, verse 2. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Did you hear that? How did you receive the Holy Spirit? It was by faith. So that tells us that the Holy Spirit came to us through faith the first time, right? And this is what the Bible says. This is, and the Bible is so clear about this church, that we receive the Holy Spirit when we put our trust in Christ. As simple as that. And then Apostle Paul says in verse 5, that not only does he come in at our conversion, at our salvation, but that he resides in us and continues to supply us with what we need and continues to empower us throughout our life. He never leaves us, right? And all of this, Apostle Paul says, is done by faith, right? So you don't start by faith and then kind of like take it on your own. No, now I'm responsible and I got to do this and this. No, no, you do it by faith and you continue by faith. 
So you begin the Christian life by receiving the Spirit by faith at salvation, at conversion, and then you go on experiencing the supply of the Spirit, the empowering of the Spirit by faith. And I can't stress that enough. Very practically, here's, here's the way I think it works. You may have a better way of illustrating it, but the best I, I, I know how. At least this is the way I try to walk by the Spirit myself, be led by the Spirit, bear the fruit of the Spirit. For example, one of the fruits of the Spirit is patience, and we can walk through all nine of them, right? I'm just picking one, one that I may be struggling with. When the Holy Spirit is leading Ovi, when he's bearing fruit in Ovi's life, when Ovi is being changed, Ovi is patient. Or Ovi is more patient, or Ovi is growing in patience, right? We can say that, right? Now, let's say that something came, comes up and my entire schedule is, is just being thrown off, and I, I have a problem with that. I, I'm not that flexible when it comes to that, right? The Lord is growing on me. Don't judge. Actually, judge, but in a biblical way. <laughs> Plans don't go the way I want, right? And on top of that, I'm dealing with other issues, and, and on top of that, I remember the conversation that I just had with one of my friends who kind of offended me. And all of that is kind of going up in here and in here. My plan is to get to that appointment. And traffic is so slow today out of all days. And there rises in me this frustration, this anger, this disappointment. And it's impatience. And it's anger. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. That's the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> so what are you supposed to do right there and then? What I'm sure, have you been in those situations? Am I talking to like a perfect church here, like spotless, not through the blood of Christ, but through our own actions? Is that what? I'm kidding. Here it is. Ready for this? You are supposed to trust in that moment. Like, what? You're supposed to believe in that moment. You're supposed to hear something in faith and then act in faith. I'm developing my idea. I'll get there. So if you've been in the Word of God, if you've been in prayer in that season, you will hear stuff. And if you haven't been in the Word, and maybe you've been only binge-watching Netflix, you won't hear much. Right? Actually, you will hear some stuff. You will hear whatever you expose yourself to. That's what usually comes out. So if you've been in the Word, if you've been in prayer, if you've been spending time in treasuring Christ, and by the way, God's Word has a lot of promises in regards to patience or to any other fruit of the Spirit. So you will hear stuff like, I am going to work all of this together for your good. That's what you'll hear. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. And then you'll hear stuff like, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You'll hear that also. And you'll hear stuff like Proverbs 14, 29, where it says, Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. You'll hear that also, and that will convict you. You'll hear stuff like, love is patient, Ovi. Love is patient. Love. I'm like, wow. And as I hear the Spirit bringing all of these passages to my mind, I am to, I am to what? I am to make a decision based on this being rock, rock solid reality. I'm to reckon it. I'm to somehow grab it and just apply it and, and reckon myself, calculate myself. I'm to get my head around this reality, focus on this reality, the reality of the promises that I hear from the Holy Spirit. 
Again, that's if I'm in the word. That's if I'm in prayer in that season. And as you hear all of these things, as the Holy Spirit is reminding you all of these promises, you will feel convicted. I assure you of that. You will feel encouraged. You will feel empowered to do what the Spirit is leading you to do and to be patient and to grow in patience. And in the moment, in that moment, as the Spirit is bringing to life all of these passages and promises, you are going to be reminded God is sovereign over you. God is wise. God is good. God is in charge of the traffic over you. God is in charge of the airline schedules, Ovi. God is in charge of people's lives. God is in charge of what people say about you or to you. And you make a decision in that moment as you're being reminded by the Holy Spirit on this being rock-solid reality, and then you trust Him. And by an act of faith, you say, God, I trust in you. I believe in you. Because you purchased all of these promises for me, and I will trust you now, and little by little, you grow in patience because the Spirit reveals to you Christ and His promises. Lord, help us. And all of this is a lifetime journey, an intimate relationship that you can grow in with the Holy Spirit, friend. And the more you allow Him to lead you, the more you will grow the more he'll transform you in the likeness of Christ. And the more you reckon yourself one with Christ and his promises. Does that actually work? Are we kidding ourselves here? Does it actually work? Are we just wasting our time Sunday after Sunday? Does Christianity work? Oh, it does. But don't expect it to work overnight. Oh, I'm... I expect to be perfect. That's not going to happen. Well, God can do that. Sure. But I think he's trying to teach us something else. And don't expect it to work perfectly again. But you can grow in this. Grow in your quiet time with the Lord. That's, that's, that should be our focus. Grow in your prayer time. Grow in being in the Word and treasuring Christ. Focus on Christ and His promises. And when the moment comes, the Spirit will bring to life His promises. And He's going to start changing you. That's how it works. Why would God do, do it this way? Why would he do it this way? Why would he attach the work of the Spirit and the supply of the Spirit to my trust in Christ, my trust in his gospel, my trust in his promises? Why would he do that? Well, because, because that's everything in Christianity. We do everything because he is our Lord. We do everything because he saved us. He does it in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So Christ does something for us. He does a lot of things, but he does one amazing thing for us. He dies on a cross for us to forgive us, to save us, and to make us his. And then he rises from the dead to bring us to a new life. And then he says, I will be with you. And he makes us promises like, I will help you. I will strengthen you. And in trusting him, the Holy Spirit gives peace and helps us grow. Therefore, Christ gets the glory like it should be. Christ gets the glory because we are trusting Christ and his promises. One last verse. 1 Peter 4.11 says this. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. 
so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Well, I don't know, man. I mean, I struggle with immorality and, and just being reminded of God's word and His promises when I'm tempted will affect me in any way. Is that what you're saying, Ovi? Ovi, I have to be honest with you. I'm weak in the face of temptation. If, if I hear a news, I'm just gripped by fear right away. And that's been kind of the case for the last two years. I have to be honest with you. If I get to that place, man, I hurry the failure along just to get it behind me. I hate the way I am. Is that you? I just can't believe that I'm going to be reminded by the Spirit of God's, you know, God's Word and promises, and that will do anything for me. I've been struggling with this and that for years, and I, even if I have a victory today, Ovi, I'm just overwhelmed thinking about how am I going to do this for the rest of my life, right? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't do it. He does it. But He needs your attention, full attention. Not a distracted sort of a mental no, no, attitude, no, full attention. I understand then. But why don't you focus on being faithful today? <laughs> don't even think about how life is going to look like in two weeks from now. Don't worry about that. Why don't you focus on being faithful right this very moment, with this very breath that comes out of your lungs and in, in your lungs? Focus on Christ and His promises this very moment. And when the next moment comes, give that to God also. Focus on Christ and His promises in that moment as well. And you can build a life of victory on your new identity in Christ that you're a different person now. It might feel like a small victory today, but you go to work on that and you can build a life of victory on that truth. Again, the Holy Spirit does this in us. But does He have your full attention? Does he have my full attention? You don't have to sin anymore, friend. I don't have to be enslaved to sin anymore. Listen, there's promises for that life, for eternity, and there's promises for this life. This is for now, for here. We're not slaves to sin anymore. You, don't, you have to know that in Christ you're dead to sin. I have to know, I have to believe it, and then I have to choose it, and then I have to reckon it. And in all of that, the Holy Spirit is doing it in us. So please, surrender to the Holy Spirit. Let's stop quenching Him. Let's stop grieving Him. And let's just fully surrender so that He can do the work that only He can do in us. Living moment by moment, being obedient to the leading of the Spirit is far more precious than any rituals that we do. It might feel, again, like a small victory today. But you go to work this moment right now not thinking of what was in the past right now give this moment to God and you can build a life of victory on his truth he's faithful he will keep you thanks for tuning in to the Summit Church Garden City podcast we hope this teaching has encouraged you and helps you live for more